This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. It is my honor to share this platform at Christ Fellowship Church, the North Georgia Revival, with a dear friend of mine, Pastor Don Allen at the Church of War Hill. I want you in your home, would you put your hands together and welcome Pastor Don, our dear friend, our beloved pastor here that is taking care and hosting the presence of God with us. Pastor Don, it is such an honor to have you tonight. May God bless you as you share this word. You're a great man of God. We thank God for you. Bless you. Enjoy this. God is so faithful and so good. And wow, thank you for this opportunity. And I'm feeling a little spoiled tonight, getting to be in God's house and feel the presence of God. And I, I've just uh, sat this morning right before I ministered uh, there at our uh, Warhill campus, Central Campus, and and they had a recliner sitting there for me. And I thought, wow, church has changed a little bit. But tonight I have, I, I have been in this empty building running around just worshiping. I said, nobody can see me. And we've usually got this guy who dances right over here. And so tonight I thought I would take uh, the opportunity to take his spot for the evening. And I am so thankful that nobody broadcasted me dancing tonight. Amen. But um, such an encouragement to, to be here. You know, as I've traveled the world, I've, I've seen a lot of things, and if you go into Haiti, you'll see a thing called a tap-tap, and a, and a tap-tap is a, a vehicle that, that they use as a mode of transportation. They're sort of like we would say a taxi, but, uh, and you jump on and tap-tap, and, and that means I'm ready to go. And somebody said, while I was there, I said, well, how many can they get on there? And they said, always one more, always one more. But if you go to certain parts of the world, they'll, they'll have a car that they're using for mass transportation, and, and you'll notice something unique, though, is though the whole entire car will be full, the driver will lean out the door and leave a space next to him, leaning out the door and leaving a space next to him. And I thought about that tonight during worship, and the reason I thought about that is because their answer was this. The reason that they lean out the door and leave a space next to them is because they want to leave room for their God to ride with them. And so as I was uh, thinking about what was going on here tonight and how we've done our best to try to honor the request of our government with the amount of people in the room and the doors are locked and, and we've tried to honor that, I thought, oh no, we're in trouble because one more just walked in the building. And his name is Jesus. And, and, and he, he's not keeping six foot dif, uh, distance away from us. He's, the Bible says he's right in front of me and he's right behind me. In other words, everywhere that I've been, he's been bringing me forward. And everywhere I'm going, he's taking me forward. And so I'm so thankful tonight that Jesus uh, pushed us over the max tonight. Jesus walked into the room. It's uh, such an encouragement. I'm so encouraged by the testimonies that we're hearing. So thankful, and I think about Mitch's testimony that they shared a moment ago and how that, that he was changed right here in these waters. Can I tell you, I was changed in these waters. The life of my family has been changed in these waters. God has done something amazing. I wish that you could feel right where you are right now the presence of the Holy Spirit the way that I feel. He is in the room, and he's in the room with you right now. Why don't you just lift your hands right where you are and worship him because he's in the room. He's holy. He's just. He's good. He's awesome. And Lord, we thank you that you're in the room tonight. I worship you, and I magnify you. And Lord, in the holiness of this moment, I pray, God, that you will help me to honor you. Lord, I thank you that right now, my goodness, the fire that's in this house is coming on these houses now in the name of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, there's going to be a connectivity tonight in the heavenlies, a connectivity from here to there. Lord, I thank you that tonight, tonight there's going to be testimonies of people healed watching this, people delivered while they watch this in the name of Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
and the victory of Christ. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. You know, tonight as we, we gather for this, this time, I want to just encourage you. I heard that an announcer had said that, that Easter is canceled. Well, let me just tell you, uh, you can't cancel something that's already happened. He's already alive. He's already risen. He, he's already walking and among us, and he's coming again someday in power, and the whole world shall see him come in that power and come in that victory. And I'm so thankful. This week, though, let me encourage you. Bring the spirit of the resurrection power of Christ into your world. I heard a testimony this last week about uh, one of the families that I'm connected to in our church, one of our, our leaders, and they told me this, this testimony. They said, Pastor, in our uh, uh, community, 90% uh, of those who live down our street don't know Jesus. 90%, more than that, more than likely, did not know Jesus. Said, but the other evening that every driveway filled up and they came to the end of their driveways and they began to give them testimonies about how God was reaching to them in the middle of this storm, how that God was speaking to them in the middle of this, this world crisis that we're on. And can I tell you, they began to weep in their driveways. The presence of God showed up at their house and they began to weep and, and, and they began to be touched by the power and the hope of Jesus Christ. I heard of one pastor that preached and broadcast his sermon, and over 195,000 people reached out and said, we want to know how to know Jesus Christ. God's doing something supernatural. God's doing something amazing, and I believe that he wants to do that for us tonight. Now, let me tell you, I bring this message with a heaviness. I know I like to be the, the guy who comes in here and says things that maybe make you laugh or, 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 or give you a pause for a moment, but tonight I, there's a heaviness on my heart as I was sharing with Pastor Todd this week that, that I had a message, and he began to feel the Holy Spirit and said, you need to bring that for revival. There's a, there's a heaviness, and I want to bring you a special message tonight entitled, Back to the Garden. Back to the Garden. And as we go through this, I want you to understand, I stand with you. I stand there among you and asking God to take his church and prepare us to be the bearers of the flame so that the glory of God might cover the earth. The word of God tells us in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 26 and Verse number 26, again, Matthew chapter 26 and verse number 36 says this. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. Let me read that again. Jesus said with his, to his disciples, he said, come, let's go to Gethsemane. I want you to know that when I'm in Israel, one of my favorite places to go is, is to the private garden in Gethsemane. When you go to the private garden in Gethsemane, you have to go through an old wrought iron fence. And as you go under a stone arch that holds that wrought iron fence, you go down into the olive grove that is there and you can look up from that spot and, and you see the eastern gate. And I always think about the fact that one day Jesus is going to come walking that way and he's going to set his foot down on the Mount of Olives and it's going to split in two according to Zechariah. And then he's going to walk up through there and every grave is going to be empty and part before him and the blockades that have been built to try to keep him out by the false pagan religions of this world are going to fall because Jesus is coming back. I believe that with all that's within me. But that moment while I'm standing there thinking about that's it, always a holy moment as I realize that I really believe this is where Jesus came to pray. As he prayed there in that garden, he told his disciples, you need to sit and you need to watch. Now this is important. And I've always thought that they needed to watch because the, he was saying, watch for those coming to, to, to take me. But he's also saying, watch, because I'm going to teach you something tonight. You need to watch what I'm doing. You need to watch what I, I'm doing. And this is what he's praying for us on that evening in John chapter 17. I think it's imperative that the church get this truth. I think it's imperative. This is this prayer, the words of Jesus. My prayer, this is the words of read in many of your Bibles. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. 
that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us. Notice this, may they be unified in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. It is the duty of the church that we accept the calling of God, the command of God, that we become unified. And I want, I want to get there in just a moment tonight, but that we become so centrally focused that a force that has been sleeping, a force that has been distracted, begins to shake itself. And as it begins to shake itself, it begins to arise upon this earth, and the earth shall be shaken. You know, I read a study this last week how that the vibration of the earth has literally slowed down. Since this virus has hit our planet, now they can actually register the tremors, the small tremors of the earth, because the construction has shut down. Many of the massive machineries and the transportations that occur around the globe have shut down so dramatically that scientists are saying we can finally find the true vibration of the earth. Can I, can I tell you if, if a machine can do that, if, if our, our transportation can do that, what would begin to happen if the church of the living God in one voice began to cry out in glory and honor to the King of kings and the Lord of lords? I believe there's victory when we get unified in Christ. But we have to find our way before we can get there. Now, the fact that this prayer was prayed from a garden should, be, should not be lost on the reader. The prayer centering around the unity of the body of Christ is paramount to, the, to living up to the standard. I want, you to, I want you to hear that word again. If you, you could just say that with me there where you are, uh, that living up to the standard, the standard that God has set for his children. And let me be clear about something from the beginning of this message. I want to be very, very clear. As I sat with counselors this week talking about what God was putting on my heart, I want you to understand this. I am not on any bandwagon as to why this virus has hit our world. I'm not going to stand here and point fingers because I have a better message for you than to attack others. I have a message of hope, and his name is Jesus. I have a message of truth, and it will set the, 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 the most captive person on this planet free by the hope of Jesus Christ. But here's our new reality for now. The reality is that the globe has been covered with a virus. This is not a time for blame, <clears throat> but I do think that there are many lessons that can be learned from this new norm that we are currently living in. And that's what I want to share with you tonight, something that I believe that God has revealed to me from this time and from his word. Now, last Sunday, after being a little stir crazy, yeah, I normally preach sometimes four or five times on a Sunday. When I preach revival, it's usually five times on a, on a Sunday. And, and so you can imagine after uh, just one time broadcasting, I was sitting around and I began to kind of twitch on Sunday afternoon. And as I, I began to kind of twitch, I, I said, I'm going for a ride. I said, I'm in the safety of my own car. I'm not going to bother anybody. But I hopped in my truck, and I went for a ride. As I drove around in, in my truck, I noticed that there was something happening that reminded me of my youth. You see, everywhere I drove, listen to this carefully, everywhere I drove, families were out on their porches in their swings and their rockers, and, and, and there were older people watching the younger people running around the yard. They were having football together. They were playing together. These families that lived within those houses had come out of their houses, put down their phones. Now, that, that, that's a move right there. But they were all collectively united as a family unit, I'm telling you, there's power when the family unites. I couldn't help thinking how nice it was to see families reconnecting. Overwhelmed, if not shocked, at how many people were, were reconnecting. One business owner in this community told me yesterday, he said that it, it was blowing everyone's mind as they would go through subdivisions to see families in their yards doing something together. Isn't it a shame that it took a virus? to get us to notice what was happening in our own homes. I keep that thought, but it's important. And let me take you to Monday morning of this last week. The Holy Spirit began to pour a truth into me. And as the Holy Spirit began to pour a truth into me, I believe that it's extremely relevant for the church today. 
Now today, on a day that most churches would be overflowing or, or would be desiring to be overflowing full of a, a hustle and a bustle, most church buildings around the world sat empty today. Most churches sat with no activity. Many pre-recorded service, things that were happening, and the churches sat empty. Why is that important? Let me preach a little further. In order to explain why that's important, I want to take you all the way back to the garden, not Garden of Gethsemane, but all the way back to Eden. I want to take you back to where God had created a place for man to thrive, where God had created an environment for, for man to excel in, where, where man had, had grown in intelligence and wisdom and literally walked with the presence of God. But there in that garden, something happened. You see, from what God created for them to walk in, notice what I'm about to say, Adam and Eve were exiled from the garden. They were exiled from the garden. The simple answer to why were they exiled would be this. God had given a command, you shall not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And as they were exiled from that garden and exiled from that place to where that, that God had created for them, they were exiled because they did not live up to the standard of God's command and, and God exiled them as a result. You see, they were exiled, and what was once two who had become one would then become two trying to learn to walk as one again, trying to find the unity they had walked in under the flourishing presence of God. This is not in my notes, but I wonder how many people have grown close to each other in the house of God, pledges that were made at the altar of God, and now because of sin, your life has been pushed apart, and once again, God's calling for the unity of the home. God's calling for the unity of his people. But let me preach on. They're exiled from what God created them for. But all creation began to push them back to the garden. People will come to me and say, what do you mean when you say back to the garden? And I'll explain that, that when the enemy took that right for them to be in the garden, when, they, when he tricked them out of the garden, when he caused them to, to fall and thus they were exiled, God will not allow the enemy to even win any territory. Let me say that again. God doesn't want the enemy to have any territory. And so God began a push to take us back to the garden. And one day the Bible describes that new garden that's coming as the new heaven and the new earth. But all creation began to push us back to the garden. That push would push the garden forward through time. He would push all the way to Jesus, would come to a garden to pray. He would come there to a hill called Golgotha and be crucified in a place that Scripture says was also next to a garden. Now listen to me. Man fell from the garden. Then God began to push us back toward the garden. Jesus would cry out for our unity in a garden. Then he would go to a place to be crucified that was in a place that Scripture says there was also a garden in that place. If you go there today, go to Gordon's Calvary. You can, you can go there today and you can see there in Gordon's Calvary how that just next door there's the wine press and next door there's that right there within walking just a few matter of feet was a garden, Scripture says. And there... He would die for us next to the garden. He would encounter Eve and Adam in the garden and then begin to push us back toward the garden where we will one day walk according to the ways of God in unity together once again. So Adam and Eve were exiled from the garden because they didn't live up to the standard. They didn't live up to the command. Let me take you forward just a, a few hundred years and then we begin to understand that the children of Israel have, 
have been uh, taken into bondage of, of Egypt and they've lived there in slavery. And as they've lived there in slavery, all of a sudden, uh, as they've lived in slavery, God says, I'm going to bring you out. And they come out and they, they, they wander through the wilderness for 40 years. Now, I think that's interesting. They wander through the wilderness for 40 years. The word for 40 in the Italian uh, is quarantina. It's the word where we get quarantined. In other words, they had to be quarantined in the desert until the slavery mentality got out of them so that they could inhabit the promised land of God. Now, this is important. I'm getting you somewhere. As God brought them to the promised land, he would give them the commands through his prophet Moses who would say these words. He would say, when I bring you to the promised land, if you will live up to the standard, if you will honor my commands, if you will honor my promises, if you will honor the words that I'm telling you today, you shall live in a land that you will find flows with milk and honey. He said, you shall eat from vineyards that you didn't plant. He says, you shall harvest from fields that you didn't prepare. He said, I'm going to bring you to a place that of supernatural provision for you. If you'll live up to the standard that I've given you. What standard? Well, there's an entire book uh, that Moses gave them, uh, Leviticus. And, and then sometimes you're reading through the Bible. You've, you've got that desire to read Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. And you think, I'll never make it through Leviticus. And, and you make it through Leviticus, and all of a sudden you hit Deuteronomy. And you say, my goodness, this sounds just like Leviticus. Well, not only is it just like Leviticus, it, it, it is a second time through Deuteros Animos, which means the second time. I'm going to remind you one more time what the standard is. I'm going to tell you one more time, here's where you need to live, because if you can live here, you're going to stay in the promised land. Live up to the standard, and I'll let you stay. But when you fail, and you turn from my ways, and you embrace the standard of the societies in which you live, listen to me. You begin to live and worship the gods of the people that I'm going to exile in front of you. And then remember something. I exiled them for worshiping those gods. And now I will exile you for doing the same. I feel the holiness of what I'm bringing you now. I almost just want to hide my head while I'm preaching this to you because I feel the holiness of this word being declared. It's important. I want you to, I want you to get this. He said, if you fail to live up to the standard then I will exile you. And sure enough, the children of Israel failed to live up to the standard and were sent forth into the world in exile. That's important. Several books of the Old Testament were written during this period of exile. We could read of a woman who would go before a king and stand there and he would fall in love with her and then she would fast and seek the presence of God as she would, as Esther would go and as she would petition for the people of God. We can read of many different others during this time who would be, have a desire to come back and would be preaching to the people to come back. But I want to tell you about two books this week that God spoke to me about that said, listen to me now, this is important because we're going to come back around to this at the end, that, that because they didn't live up to the standard, they were exiled. And I want to tell you two books that you need to pay attention to real carefully. And the first of those books is the book of Kings. And the second of those books is the book of Chronicles. Now, everybody assumes that Kings and Chronicles are in the Bible for historical fact. And they are there for historical fact. But the reality is they were not written as historical books in Israel. Both Kings and Chronicles were written in 930 B.C. They were both written to people who were living in exile. Why were they both written? Why did they discuss the same things? The reign of the kings of Israel. Because the book of Kings was written to the people living in exile, and this was the purpose. Listen to me. This was the prophetic purpose of the book of Kings. The prophetic purpose of the book of Kings was, here is where you went wrong, and here's how you fell, and here's the decline that got you exiled. Listen to me again. Here's where you went wrong. 
Here's where you began to live like the people all around you, and now this is why you got exiled. And you know what? That's the way many people would preach you to that point, but that's not the way a loving God preaches you to that point. You see, because this is where we all go wrong, and here's where we started messing up, and this is why we've lost our positions. Now listen to me carefully, but then comes the book of Chronicles, which seems like we're reading the same thing. But the book of Kings has said, here's how you messed up, and here's how you got exiled. But the book of Chronicles is saying, here's to a people who are exiled to show you that even though you messed up, there's still a place for you in the promise. There's still a place for you in the promised land. You still have a call. You still have a purpose. So he takes and says, here's where you messed up. Here's why you're paying a price. Here's why you've been gone for generations, but I'm calling you back. And when I call you back, you're going to come forth in power. Feel this. Why did he take them out of the land? Because he had to get the garbage out of their lives. It's important to notice. It's important. But I want you to get this. This is where you went wrong. But you still have a place in the promise. Here's where I have to stand among you. Here's the message that comes crashing into our lives. As I stand here with you today, please give me a little bit of latitude to explain this position. But I want you to listen. I'm not afraid to make this statement. I just want to give it the way God spoke it to me. Currently, our churches are setting empty as we have been exiled from the building. Wait a minute. Our churches have set empty. I am so thankful that all weekend long, some of the greatest pastors that I know have walked to their pulpits and said, holiness will bring you back. It shows me that we're hearing from the Lord. Our churches have said empty and we have been exiled. And I have to then remind you why were Adam and Eve exiled? Why were the children of Israel exiled? Listen to me carefully. Because they failed to follow the command of God and live up to the standard. I have a word, a heavy word. Here, I want you to get this. They failed to follow the word of God, the command of God, and live up to the standard. Now let me just give you a definition of the command of God, the standard of God, and the measure of God. Listen to me carefully. The command of God to the church, the command of God to a unified church is very simple, and it's plain. It's to preach Jesus Christ and him crucified, risen, and coming again. Let me declare that to you again. I'm declaring that the command that we were given, he didn't say go you into all the world and preach your doctoral thesis. He didn't say go you into all the world and preach your denominational standards. He said go you into all the world and preach the gospel. And this is the gospel, Jesus Christ coming, crucified and coming again who now lives forevermore. But there's also a standard. The standard is holiness. Now, I'm going to come back to that in a moment. But the standard is holiness. And the measure is unity. The command is to preach the gospel. The standard is to do, to live in holiness. Without holiness shall no man see the Lord. And the measure is unity. Now, I was feeling this message very strongly, but when I was struggling with how or if I should bring it, I, I was struggling with whether or not I, I should bring this message to you uh, tonight. All of a sudden, I, I had a, a fellow pastor who had the kindness to nudge me over the edge. I mean, he, he kind of kicked me over the edge. and In no way did I become angry at all. As a matter of fact, I felt like that God used him to verify what I felt like I needed to preach. You see, this pastor sent me an unsolicited video last week, a video that he sent to me of him preaching against the church I pastor. Praise God. Hallelujah. And he was preaching against any other church that's had any measure of success. And I thought to myself, 
It doesn't bother me that he's preaching against us. So, half the time I'm complaining about how I, I feel like I failed myself. I guarantee you I will leave here tonight going, Pastor Todd will never let me preach again. I understand that concept. I get it. I feel like a failure so many times. But it didn't bother me that he was preaching against us. What bothered me was this, and I want you to hear what I'm about to say very much. I believe that the pulpit of today, this hour, in 2020, is a pulpit that is being watched and listened to more clearly than it has for over a hundred years. We have methods of preaching the gospel, and God is speaking to his servants, whether their churches be large or small, and God is speaking to those who are hungry for him, and right now we should not bother wasting our time. That's what bothered me. We don't have time to waste our time telling you why everybody else is wrong. What we need to do is begin to declare Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the one who holds back COVID. Jesus is the one that can deliver the lost. Jesus is the answer for this hour. And if we'll call upon the name of the Lord, he will heal our land. You see, there is a virus that is killing many more than COVID-19. It is the curse of sin, and there is only one cure, and his name is Jesus. Oh, could we not collectively do that? I don't know where you're watching tonight, but could you not collectively say with me, Jesus, Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. I've come to tell you there's only one name under heaven by which man can be saved, and it's the name of Jesus. And at the name of Jesus shall every knee bow, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I want to use my hour. I want to use my time to tell people I don't walk in fear, and I don't, I don't hide behind some kind of a blocked-off wall because I'm walking in fear, I may honor the government ahead of me, but I also honor the kingdom to which I belong. And it has one message, and it is the message of Jesus Christ. You see, that's the problem. The church has forgotten its command. We will spend our Sundays preaching regurgitated messages that we heard from someone else or because we haven't sought the face of God that we found somewhere else. We will spend our, our Sundays declaring this is how to have a better marriage. This is how to have better children. And all the while, our, our churches are falling apart and our communities dying, lost, going to hell. Can I tell you, the command has not shifted. In 2020, it did not shift to make us relevant. The message of the cross is still just as relevant today. People say, Pastor Don, how do you preach all over the world? I said, because people have the same need all over the world. Their need is this. Their life is broken and they don't know how to fix it. They're carrying a mountain of shame and they don't know how to get it off their shoulders. But I can tell you, that doesn't matter if you're listening to me in Asia, Europe, South America, North, North America, or Africa, or, or anywhere all over the, this world. There is but one hope and that hope is Jesus Christ. And it is the same from the day that he died to the day he returns. And that is his command that we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I think for most of us, we can understand that. But we want to see something happen because we've lost the hope in the command. Listen to me carefully. Because we're not living up to the standard. Now listen to my heart. Pastor Don, have you come to beat us up tonight? No, I have not. You should try having to go through the meat grinder of preaching this message. Before I can bring it, I have to put a mirror on my own life. I knelt here tonight said, God, give me clean hands. Give me a pure heart. Let me not turn my soul toward another. God, let me be a righteous man who lives up to your standards, God. Let, let me, let me be someone that you can use. I'll never forget one day I said these words. 
God, it's not fair. Everybody else is doing it. And I forget what it was, but every pastor I knew was involved. It seemed like everybody, I'm not everybody, but it just seemed that way to me at the moment. And the Holy Spirit of God spoke to me so quick and so sharp that it almost took my breath away. He said, everybody else may be doing it, but everybody else can't lay hands on the sick and see them healed. Everybody else can't declare the gospel and see literally dust clouds rise as they run across the plains of Africa to receive Jesus. I've, I've watched the Muslims surround my, my, my stage and say anybody who goes across can never come back. And I've watched them climb over their cars to come across to the gospel of Jesus Christ because there is no darkness too deep that the light of Christ cannot penetrate it. But you can't go there if you're living like the world. It's time for the church to stop sounding like the world. Your neighbors should know you're different. Your coworkers should know you're different. There must be a standard. Now, I've been reluctant to, to step this deep into this, but I'm just going to take you where I felt like God was dealing with my heart. First off, let me just go ahead and tell you, if you're at home watching TV during your isolation or sheltered in place situation and you see TVMA come up on the screen as you start playing something, you think that means TV uh, mature audience? No, if TVMA comes up, you need to read it as TV move away. Get away from it. Get away from it. Oh, no, you don't understand. I'm a grown adult. No, you don't understand. You are a blood-bought child of the living God. And there have we, a standard of righteousness is expected of us, a peculiar people, zealous of good works, who walk under the banner of Jesus Christ. And my heart is heavy when the pastors, and the church staffs, and the leaders of our nation have allowed and quote and, and propagate a show that has ravaged uh, America's uh, holiness standard over the last few uh, months and uh, literally the world's, but the number one show in America, listen to me carefully, and the number one show in America has been about a sexually perverted individual who ultimately ends up in a murder for hire plot. Now, many of you are like, Pastor, I don't know what you're even talking about. Praise God. Thank you for living out that standard. But listen to me. When church staffs are, are talking about it, when people that are supposed to be leading us in the standards of holiness are proclaiming that, that this, this, listen to me, I, I, I want to be plain, I, I'm, I'm being reluctant, but that somehow they're all laughing and joking about a tiger king because, I'm just going to go there, because, uh, uh, you know what, it's funny watching somebody be married to multiple people of the same sex and they're, they're, they're living in this exotic world and they're all crazy out of their mind. Can I just tell you something? If you put garbage in, you should start expecting garbage out. You need to start putting the holiness of the presence of God into your life. You need to begin to walk away from that. Uh, one man said to me, he said, he said, uh, my friend called me and said, hey, I just watched this show and I feel dirty all over. You know what? <clears throat> it reminds me of a time I was at a conference and some men said to me, and they, they had an honest heart. Many of them were in their late 60s and they said, Pastor, we're just down the street from, from Bourbon Street in New Orleans and, and we've never seen that famous area. We want to go get some of those donuts and things down there. And they said to me, they said, uh, Pastor, would you take us down to the, to the depths of New Orleans? And I said, well, I mean, I don't really want to go, but we literally snuck out of the conference early. The glory of God was falling down. And the minute my foot set foot on Bourbon Street, the minute it set foot there, it was like a repulsion came all over my spirit. I said, how can I leave the presence of God? And all of a sudden, my goodness, I feel God in what I'm about to say to you, and step into the darkness of what's happening down here and feel good about it somehow. There's a standard of holiness. Listen to me carefully. I fully expect your hate mail. You can tag it, but when you tag it, then you say Jesus is Lord when you're on it. Amen. And declare the love of Jesus to a lost and dying world because this is not about me, but it is the message he gave me. A lot of people don't understand several years ago, I actually preached numerous messages with 
we, and, and I wouldn't do it today, and it was a different time, but, but I preached numerous messages with, with lions, and I had a tiger, and, and the lions always came in cages, and the tiger, they'd come in, and they'd bring this big old tiger that was longer than this, and he'd be on this little bitty, bitty chain, little tiny little like dog chain, and I'm looking at things, thinking that there's no way that you can control, listen to me, that, that tiger with that. And I said, why do you bring the lions in cages and the tiger on a little dog leash? And they said to me, watch this, because it's easy to control the tiger. But the tiger is tameable and more controllable. Where the lion has a spirit that you know will never be crushed. And I said, oh, my goodness, that is something I need to remember. Can I tell you one of the reasons why such perversion as that has been running rampant in our nation? It's because we think we can control that tiger. We think we can watch it and it not stain our hearts and not stain our hands and not influence our social feeds and not in, we don't, well, we'll just hide it. We don't want anybody to know it. No, no, no. Matter of fact, it's worse than that. We're talking about it. And I'll tell you what dropped in my spirit this week. I will not be satisfied with the tiger kings of this world when I can encounter the lion of the tribe of Judah. You listen to me. I would rather worship the lion of Judah. I would rather know that when God walked into this room a few moments ago, my heart leapt. Joy came into my soul. You see, that's the standard. I'm calling the church to the standard tonight. You're going, Pastor Don, how dare you? Who do you think you are? I am nobody but a fault and a failed man that God happened to speak to this week. But this I've come to declare to you. The command is simple. The command is preach ye the gospel of Jesus Christ into all the world. The standard is holiness. And when we get the standard and the command met up, watch out. The walls that divide churches will begin to fall and unity will return to the church and when unity returns to the church watch out devil because the shaking will happen upon this earth as the glory of God begins to cover this earth listen to me carefully you see each time he took them out he began to push mankind back toward the garden the children of Israel, he began to clean them out so they could get back to the promised land. And we've seen in 1948, the fulfillment of that promise as they returned to the promised land. And I rejoice that Israel is thriving on every, every time I go there, it blows my mind how they're thriving. Listen to me carefully. <clears throat> this is important. When we honor God, we serve God. We have to remember something. Kings tells us, here's where we messed up. But Chronicles says, but here is how I'm bringing you back. It's not going to be long. And the church is coming back to our buildings. We're coming back and we're not going to come back with our heads dragging. I'm praying that a spirit, my goodness, that the fire that we've experienced in North Georgia. Why? Because people that didn't work together allowed the walls to fall. We met in these altars. We forgave each other. We embraced each other. I remember when Pastor Todd and I stood right here. Literally, it was a church-wide revival until we stood right here. And the minute our hands linked, it was like the doors of this building burst open. And it went all around the area. And then it continued further and further and further. Can I tell you something? Stop preaching against each other. Start dealing with your own life and say, God, use these weeks to clean me up and clean me out so I don't have to slink back in hoping nobody that saw me Friday night runs into me at God's house on Sunday morning. But I can walk back in declaring I'm here because the Lord is good and the Lord is faithful and he brought me back because I still have a place in the promise. He's faithful and he's good. I want to close tonight. As I prepare to close tonight, I want to just remind you of the greatest point of this sermon. Though I feel like God has dealt with us, God is calling to the church, I cannot finish this message without honoring the command of the Lord. The command of the Lord is simple. The command of the Lord is true. 
that not all who listen to me know the hope of Christ. Not all can walk without fear in the middle of this virus that has swept our land. There is a greater fear. There is a greater fear. And that fear is to go out into eternity without being cleansed from the virus of sin. Some of you are going, Pastor Don, you've just dealt with a church that you said is dirty. I'm going to deal with them in just a moment, but I'm dealing with you right where you are. Don't, don't point fingers at others to try to deflect from where you are. I'll never forget a day in my life I was kneeling in the middle of a road begging to die when the love of God covered me and grace and forgiveness filled my soul. I stood up from that place and I said I will spend the rest of my life telling people that Jesus loves them. Look, you understand what I just said about Kings and Chronicles. You can look and say, this is where I started going wrong. There's where I had my first drink. It was downhill from there. That's where I, I was harmed and I started looking for love in all the wrong places and it was downhill from there. That's where I started living a lie of hypocrisy and it was downhill from there. That's what got me exiled from my marriage and it was downhill from there. That, that's what has me broken and it was downhill from there. Can I tell you? Do you know what connects Kings and Chronicles together? The cross of Jesus Christ. The fact that Jesus loves you that Jesus came and he lived a sinless life and he hung on a cross saying this, this may be why you are where you are, but here, watch this, here I am to help you move into the promise that I have for you. Tonight, if you'd call upon the name of Jesus, your life will be changed forever. But let's go a step further. You're a pastor. You're a leader. You're a deacon. You're responsible for a congregation. You're a teacher. You're a parent. You're someone who loves God. But you haven't been living up to the standard. How dare we think we are different than those who've come before us. Who were exiled not from the grace of God because God was sending the message of hope but exiled from the place of the promise listen to me carefully this is a call God's dealing with your heart don't, don't set your brow break your heart let God speak to you yet even now may the my goodness oh, feel the Holy Ghost May the Holy Spirit of God. Some of you, tears are running down your face. Some of you, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I, pre I preached. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I just preached with so much power, it zapped the power out of that microphone. But we were not going to let the devil stop that. I'm going to start right there, and I want you to understand the devil's trying to hinder because the church is being shaken tonight. If just those that are listening to me will say, God, forgive us. If you delete those channels, delete those subscriptions, and delete those items, and, and you don't need to know who killed who. You don't need to, to know that. I'll never forget I was standing in God's house, and he said to me one day, this, this, and this needs to get out of your life. And I said, God, that's not even a big deal. And he said, no, it is to me. It's a big deal to him. Let him wash you clean right now. I'm about to pray for these. And as I pray with those who want to know Jesus, if you've got a son or daughter there and their tears are, are bubbling in their eyes and you know they're ready to know Jesus or maybe it's your husband or your spouse, put your hand over them as I pray for them. But I'm also praying for you and for me, for my wife and my children, for this house and all the leaders that God will make us clean. God will make us whole. And now I declare in the name above all names, 
that Jesus came and he died. And this is his promise, that if we believe that Jesus is Lord and we proclaim that he is Lord and we believe that God raised him from the dead, we would be changed for all eternity. This is my prayer. Join me tonight as you make your confession of faith. Jesus, I am a sinner. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I have not lived up to the standard. I know that I have failed because I can see where my life went wrong. But I'm coming to the cross because I know you have a place for me in the promise. I don't deserve it. I cannot earn it. But right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, I confess that Jesus is Lord, and I believe that as he is risen from the dead, he so now rises within my life. And I will serve him as I commit from this moment forward to do my best to live up to the standard. Father, I thank you for those that are praying that, for those that are joining me in praying and they know that there's sin in their life. They know that there's connections they need to stop talking to. They know there's some things they need to take out of their phones. They know there's some things they need to delete out of their houses. They know there's some subscriptions they need to get rid of. God, so that they too can walk in the holiness of the standard. My goodness, Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, I thank you that grace says, okay, this is where you went wrong, but here's your place in the promise. Step into the promise in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you that right now, as a sign, now you listen to my words, as a sign that this message is truth, I'm going to ask God to put the fire on the water in your house. If there's a significant need in your house, I'm going to ask you, just if you've got a a thing of water there, just put it on your hands. And as you put that your face into that water, just wash your face with it. If, you, if you've got a child that needs healing, take a, take a wet rag and just begin to lay it on their head. And, and as you begin to pray and say the name of Jesus, I'm telling you, I'm asking God right now by the power of the Holy Spirit that the fire of this house will manifest in your house and testimonies are going to come. I'm declaring it again. Testimonies are going to come that will say, this has been the word of the Lord. Receive the word of the Lord in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. That's today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at Warhill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 8.15, 9.30, and 11 a.m., where you will find Real Love Now.